We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Cool. It's good to worship God together, isn't it? What an amazing, amazing time. I'm really, really, really looking forward to hearing from all the members of the team today. And I really just want to emphasize that you're going to hear some really amazing stories. We're going to try and cover what we did. To be honest, it's just a little, it's a tip of the iceberg what we're going to share today. Um, So I'd really encourage you to chat to individual members if you want much more information. But everyone's got testimonies to share of just ways in which we saw God's goodness while we were away. And I just really want to encourage you, we don't want this to be just like a show and tell, this is amazing, this is what happened to us, but we really want this to be like, this is who our God is, and what he's doing, and what he's done with us, is available for everyone here. Um, So, Jamie's just going to come and share, give a little bit of context as to why we went to Sierra Leone and the relationship there. So one of the words that we've had over this church is that we should pour out the oil. And what we've always thought that was about was about giving of our best to and setting aside of our best for those that aren't within the body. And so most of that has been international relationships that God has given us. And we particularly uh, developed a heart for Sierra Leone in 1990 when my dad met this man called Richard Cole who was over in the UK at that time, and it felt like God just knitted their hearts together in an instant. That meant that over the next number of years, John and Richard would visit, would share hearts, would go on a journey together. That took us through the whole civil war that was in Sierra Leone, right up until Richard passed away in 2006. Then uh, over time, we found there was new points of connections, primarily me with Prince, that has continued. And one of the things I I was quite interested with, with the idea of this team going out, was I wonder who's going to be the next generations that walk together? Who are the young people amongst us? And who are the young people amongst them that will be the next to carry the baton forward? And... (coughs) Swallowed a little bit too much saliva there. (laughs) And... um, And how do we get that same commitment to pouring out the oil that this generation has had in the next generation? It helps to see things. And so when we first started talking about this idea of an international trip, we were a little bit nervous. We thought, well, we've struggled to find things that really grip our our young people. Will they actually even be interested in this? But we felt, well, this is in line with another word that we've had recently from Terry King about unstopping the wells of sending Well, we send. That's actually a biblical concept that you send from in amongst you to go and and invest elsewhere. And so we're believing to see through this, and hopefully you'll hear that, the heart for other nations growing in our young people, a revelation of who God is, and evidence that God has led our young people to engage with him during this whole process. Excellent. Thank you, Jamie. So, you guys have all been a part of, of the team even going. Um, there was quite a few challenges. We started this kind of process of the trip getting in place in about October. Um, 
and people have donated and been giving words and praying and all that stuff has been been so so important and we really had that sense of we were being sent by you guys uh, there were real challenges in the in the week before we had two of the team were in a and e uh, some on the day of which we were pretty much supposed to be flying um, but we just saw god's provision even in those really really challenging situations everyone was able to go um, and like i say there was miraculous um, provision of funds and all that kind of thing so what we're going to do today if we could get the slideshow up ah so we'll, i thought we'd start with a little the young, the young people call it vlogs. Uh, a little vlog that um, Scarlett and Kirillin put together. Yeah, don't worry, I remember it was you too. Okay. Yo, we're going uh, airport now. Yeah. Look at that. You're not cool. England. 
Cool. So we arrived in uh, Sierra Leone on a Sunday evening. Quite a long journey, two flights, a sea coach, basically like a, a ferry, then a long drive. And so we got to the Lifeline compound and sat down for dinner. It was about 8 p.m., at which point I told the team that in just over 12 hours at 9 a.m., they'd all be teachers. They'd all be teaching in nursery, school, uh, or college. And I, I had let them know quite a few times that we'd be doing this before we went, but it seemed to only really kind of sink in when it was like, right, guys, you're doing that tomorrow morning. And um, there was some nerves. There was some, you know, some pretty good questions like, what are we going to teach? And uh, that, that kind of stuff, what are we going to do? So it got split into teams and had a couple of hours to plan what they were going to do. Like I say, there was a lot of nerves. And I'm going to invite Malachi up, who in particular freaked out a little bit. <laughs> um, so Malachi, when I said, right, you guys are going to be teaching in the morning, how were you feeling? Pretty nervous, because uh, we just did not have anything prepared at all. So didn't have anything prepared, nervous, kind of like what's going to happen, etc., etc. Uh, the morning came around, and what kind of age group were you with, and, and how did it go? So my group was in the primary school. Uh, I think we did every class in the primary school, so around year one to six age. And these are, these are not like small classes. These are about 30 children in every class, quite, quite big. Um, how did it go? It actually went fine. Like, it was pretty good, actually. Okay. Did, did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was very enjoyable. Okay. So then a few days later, I think while we were having dinner together, um, we said, let's look at the the words that have been put in our spiritual backpack. So for those that don't know, uh, the first Tuesday prayer meeting that we actually did on the last Tuesday in March, a few days before we left, um, everybody was praying for each of the team members and were encouraged to write down words that they felt God was giving them for each team member and put it into a little envelope that acted as the backpack that we then look at when we got there. And so we said, let's have a look at those and see if there's anything that's sticking out. And there was one particular about kind of that you'd read and not really thought much, but it was about sort of, I think it was about kind of when you don't feel able, that, that God will, will make you able. And did it feel, when you were in the classroom, did it feel like God helped you in any way? Well, yeah, because it just, it just seemed, it all just seemed to work out in the end really well. Yeah, so that's amazing. We just saw how, even though Malachi didn't really know what he was going to do, didn't know he could teach, he saw that God actually gave him the ability to do that. Well done, Malachi. So here's Malachi teaching with uh, Kirillin and Scarlett. So they all split into different groups. So, and it's like, there's a lot of students all, all on the compound. So um, nursery, this is some young adults and... Um, yeah, like I say, nursery. Here is Dorena, Moises, and Josh doing a lesson on CV writing. And at this point, I'd like to invite Dorena up. So, Dorena, when you found out that you'd be teaching students in a, the technical vocational college, which essentially meant you'd be teaching students that were your age or older, how were you feeling? I was a bit scared because they're all my age and older and 
I don't really know what to say as well. We didn't plan anything like Malachi. So. Cool. So you'd really felt like God had given you peace uh, in the run-up to this trip. And there were some challenges that kind of came along that could have potentially really disrupted that peace. Can you give us a bit of an overview? Yeah. Um, so before the trip, I was feeling a bit distant with God and I was a bit upset with him because I feel like I hadn't, I, I couldn't feel his presence. So I went out one day to, I've said this story so many times, but I went out one day um, to buy myself some shorts for the trip and I'm at the shop and I'm going to buy my shorts and I can't find my wallet. It's gone and I'm really upset because um, I can't buy them and it's like a really sentimental wallet for me. Um, and this girl behind me, she actually offered to buy the shorts for me, which was really kind, but then I had to like walk home because I don't even have my oyster and I was just mad and upset and crying. <laughs> But um, I called, like, the bus people, because I actually got the bus to go to Ilford. Um, and, like, two hours later, they phoned me, and they said they had found my wallet. And to me, that just really showed how God knew exactly what I needed, and he showed me that he's there, and he's with me, and that he's a kind God as well, because I didn't have to leave the shop with the shorts, you know? Um, so that little experience there really gave me the confidence that God's with me, and that even though I'm not prepared or anything like that for any of this stuff here... Like, God's with me, so that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And you were also one of the team members who was in A&E maybe like 12 hours yeah. before we needed to get to the airport. Can you talk to yeah. us about that? So, yeah, going to A&E, that was long because we were there for hours with my mum. But, yeah, I went home and me and my mum are just like thinking, you know, you've got to prioritise your health. Maybe you shouldn't go. And then we get a text from uh, Lynn, our neighbor. Um, and he said, you want to come over? Because he has something to tell me. And he shared some really encouraging words for me. And that, again, just like really helped. So I was like, oh, OK, good. Amazing. So you came on a trip. So you had these, these experiences, this sense of peace, even in kind of like tumultuous times. But situations like having to teach a, a class to about 30 young people your age or older, kind of like you were thrown in the deep end a few times. Do you feel like God sort of gave you anything in, in those moments? Yeah, because I was at peace and I was calm, so it was okay. Yeah. Do you feel like God gave you boldness, confidence, anything like that? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Wicked. Thank you, Duran. So... Uh, one of the topics that Prince had asked us to focus on when teaching in the schools and the colleges was the Lifeline Nehemiah School Values, which uh, is the acronym STEADY. Um, serving community, teamwork, excellence, accountability, don't turn a blind eye, and integrity. And Prince wanted us to particularly focus on the value of integrity when we were thinking about what we would be doing in the classes. So the team devised some dramas when teaching about integrity in the school that we can now see. Don't look surprised, we've uh, planned this. <laughs> Oh, he stank so bad. 
I know, I just want to say, that's right, I'm amazing. Can you see that? It was so stupid. She's coming back. Hi! An example of integrity. It wasn't just make sure everyone's got good breath. Um, we were all particularly hot. Uh, it was a very hotter climate than all of us were used to, so we didn't all necessarily smell our freshest at the time, so it was quite relevant for us uh, particularly. Okay, and now we're going to hear from Rafa. glad that we got the opportunity to go to Africa. I really enjoy it so much. I thank God for that. But yeah, I mean, every time my family used to speak, talk about Africa at home, it was like, eat all your food, do not throw it away because there are people in Africa that are dying. <laughs> or like, oh, Africa? Oh, yeah, they are poor. And that was all. And I mean, I knew these things, but because, <laughs> I knew these things, but because, um, I didn't have to deal with it every day. I didn't know how hard it was. So I prepared myself. I had this feeling that every time I prayed, God was going to speak to me in that trip. And the people that prayed for me in the prayer meeting felt the same. So I had to be literally concentrated um, to concentrate it because God has been to me in any way. So when we arrived to Africa, um, everything was so similar and so familiar um, but to a place I live in Peru. But it wasn't the same, you know, because they had to carry their own water, make their own bricks, make their own houses. And in Africa, it's not that easy to pay other people to do things for you. You have to do it yourself. So when I realized that, I was like, isn't this amazing? They don't have much, but what they have, they give, and with all the love in it. So, yeah, that was so beautiful. Cool. And you also, so you had a great time. You really connected and felt so welcomed and looked after and like you were with family and that kind of thing. And you also had some answers to prayer. You, there's two particular things. Could you share them with us? Yeah. Um, so three days before coming, I was just sitting at a table with Debbie and I was asking her about the gift of speaking in tongues. And she told me, yeah, I spoke in tongues when I was 10. And I was like, oh, I've been wanting to speak in tongues for a long time. And she asked me if I wanted her to pray for me. Then she started praying for me. And I just had a really weird word in my head. And I was like, I'm not going to say it. It's too weird. But then she told me, you have a word in your head. And I was like, yes. And she was like, say it. 
and I said it once, but then she was repeated. And I started repeating this word, but while I was doing it, I felt just peace. And she told me, okay, while well, you're repeating this word, um, can you think of another thing? And I was like, yes, that's speaking in tongues. And I was like, oh, I speak in tongues. I was so shocked. I started crying, then I hugged her, then the team knew about it. Yeah, it was so beautiful. And then I got healed, because I had a really annoying cough um, for long days. And Malachi prayed for me, and since that moment, God healed me. Yeah. How good is that? Amazing. Well done, Rafa. I feel bad because I'm, like, I'm trying to get everyone to speak, but this is such good stuff. And I just keep on reminding us, this is for us. You know, you guys sent us. You got this, we are part of you. These things that we're seeing God doing, whether it's giving boldness, confidence, healing, spiritual gifts, this is available for us. This is the God who loves all of us. Um, oh, it's just so good. Right, sorry. Um, right. I really tried to plan, but I actually have no idea what's next. Okay. Ah, so... So for the first few days, it was a lot of teaching and a lot of playing. So you saw a little clip of this earlier. This is the Sierra Leonean version of Duck, Duck, Goose, I suppose. Kendry got picked next, but I kind of like spared him because it wasn't 100% effort at that point. You know, he had to grow into it a little bit. But we had so much fun. Um, the next clip is, so this is some of the girls, this is with the Nehemiah children. Um, so we spent a lot of time, just to give a bit of context, there's children that live in the Nehemiah home and then there's a lot of school students that come every day. There's about 20 or so children living there at the moment. So this is the girls just uh, playing some games with the girls in the evening. fun, lot of fun. Now, the next game, we also saw a little clip of, but it probably needs a little bit of explaining and context. So if Kendry can come up. So you're going to get a live version of this game that Kendry, that Kendry uh, was taught. Okay, so basically, a boy called PJ, he taught me um, a game. It's where it's kind of like rock, paper, scissors, but you throw a number of fingers, and I'll choose a number beforehand, and Moises will too. And if it's my number, I slap his hand, and, if, and then after that, we both throw a finger up, and if it's the same finger, we stop and go back to the rock, paper, scissors thing, but if not, I keep slapping it until he gets the right finger. <laughs> I don't know if you picked up the emphasis on the word slap there. Um, so you can give us a quick, a quick, uh, a quick example. Remember your friends? I said, whoa, whoa, that's enough, that's enough, right, right. Moises, you can sit down. So, Kendrick. 
So I just want to give a little bit of context to uh, the young man who, uh, who taught Kendra this game. Sir, his name is uh, PJ Cole, and he was named after PJ, um, which I think is just such a clear example of the work that PJ, that, that we know was such a key part of, is alive and well. And the work of God is ongoing. And it was really, really encouraging to me. Um, so as part of the preparation for the trip, each of the, the young people in the team were given names of some of the Nehemiah children that are living there to be praying for and thinking about. And Kendry, you got the name of this young person, uh, PJ Cole. So then when we first arrived at... We'll call him Little PJ for, this, for the sake of this. So when we first arrived on the compound, um, little PJ was actually right there. And uh, you kind of recognized him. And what happened? Well, so I've seen a picture of him beforehand. And as soon as we got out of the, like, the car, I saw PJ there. And I was like, oh, he's one of the boys I'm praying for. So I might as well go introduce myself. So I went over to speak to him. And he was just very cold with me. He, I don't think he liked me very much. <laughs> um, if we're being honest, you was a bit annoyed by that, right? Uh, yeah, you was a bit annoyed by that. <laughs> But then uh, probably the next day, he came up to you and introduced this game, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're in the school, I'm pretty sure. And he came over and told me a game. And I didn't really know the slapping bit. He, I, can't, I couldn't really understand, but I got it as I went along. And he just smacked me, and I was kind of confused. <laughs> so he slapped your hand with all his might, and that kind of developed a relationship. And uh, oh, uh, so here's a picture of Kendry and, and little PJ. And um, Kendry wasn't, it wasn't, that easy to get Kendry to smile for photos. Um, this is a, the one photo I think that he asked me to take and one of the ones where he's beaming so, so brightly. And for me, just looking back, I just saw how God was just giving Kendry such a heart for this young man. I think he's 11 or 12 years old. Um, and just, I just got to see them mainly slapping each other's hands most of the week, but just playing and just the care that I saw um, from Kendry was really just encouraging because it, it just kind of showed how the preparation, the thinking, the praying had just been softening all of our hearts. Um, but there's a few other things. Just come a little bit closer so I can just see the notes. So there was a few other things that um, were happening for you on the trip. So when we met up last week, you were just reflecting on the fact of how you were even able to afford uh, to go on a trip. Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. Um, well, the main deciding factor of me going to Sierra Leone or not was if I got my apprenticeship. And that's because I'd have a way to pay for it. And then I'd have to not bother my family by asking them to pay for it for me. So, and then at that point, we're still waiting to know whether I got the apprenticeship or not. So it was kind of like stressful. So it was a real stressful time because at the point where you would have to start paying for this trip, it was really unclear whether you were going to be able to do your apprenticeship in carpentry. Um, and I remember at the time, it was, it was very stressful for you. But you were able to recognize, looking back, that actually the apprenticeship came through. Uh, and which meant that you were able to afford um, to go on a trip, which is really, really cool. And then the final thing. So here is you posing with all your Leones. Um, yeah, so, you, so there was a day when we were going to the market, and we were kind of like, right, guys, today is the day. We're going to go to the market. So if you want to convert any of your money by uh, gifts for family, etc., etc., today is the day. And it was a little bit tricky knowing how much to do. Some people had 10 pounds that they were going to uh, convert. Some people had more or less. Uh, you thought you'd do 40 pounds, because you're a money man. You got the apprenticeship and that. So 
You then had all these Leones, and you get to the market, and what, what kind of happens? Um, well, I spent, like, probably no than an eighth of that, which was not good. I thought, like, in England, £40 would get you, like, a decent amount of stuff, but then I think it can get you a lot more in Sierra Leone. So you realise you kind of got all you needed with, like, an eighth of the money, and then you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I've just wasted uh, converting my, my hard-earned English pounds into Leones. What am I going to do? And you were getting quite stressed. You were getting quite stressed. Um, so how did you end up spending them all in the end? Um, so, I mean, I bought this great hat, and, yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was money well spent. But then we, there was one day where we went out to get food, and, like, not everyone had enough money to, like, buy food. And I had a lot to spare, so that was a nice thing to spend my money on, too. And for me, um, so, yeah, the, the final night before we went home, Prince was like, we could go out for a meal, which we hadn't done at all. We'd, we'd been eating great food, but all at um, Prince and Mary's house. So he was like, we could go out for a meal. But there was a situation where some just didn't have any money. And... Um, Kendry was just like, well, I can use my money. I can use my money to pay for people. And probably ended up paying for at least three other people's meals to the point where I had to say, all right, Kendry, you've, you've given enough. And um, it just was really exciting for me because Andy Garland had given me a piece of paper about a month or so before we went on a trip. And it, it was written down that he felt that there would be opportunities for members within the team to prefer one another. And just as I saw Kendry, seeing how stressed he was thinking he'd wasted all this money, so keen to use his own money to um, spend on others, just felt like such, such a confirmation of that word that Andy had gave. So thank you very much, Kendry. You can take a seat, mate. Okay. So the team, some of the team are going to teach a game that we taught, um, mainly in the classes and any, any and everywhere we went. Um, okay, so in like all the primary school classes, we played this game. It's a clapping game, so everyone can take part. Um, so Cameron, he's going to clap a beat, and then you guys have to repeat the beat. And these guys are all judges. They're going to be looking around, trying to like see who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong. So if you can all stand up. Oh yeah, you have to you have to copy what he's clapping, basically. Oh, there's oh, look, do you want to explain that? <laughs> so there'll be a rhythm. I'll, I'll you'll be repeating the the claps I do, but there'll be one rhythm that you should never copy. Don't clap this one back. I'll just example with the one you shouldn't copy. Yeah, don't, don't, yeah, yeah, don't do that one. Um, as a few practice rounds, I'm just going to say, don't clap this one back. And if you do clap it, you're out. The judges, our team, will, um, you know, get you out. So, are you ready? <coughs> I'm not going to 
say it anymore. You've just got to listen out for... <laughs> Are we ready? Well done, guys. Okay, cool. So, uh, we were also, I'll keep my time, we were also given a fun uh, but quite challenging task of going to the market and we were all given uh, 100 Leones. We were split into teams, given a Sierra Leonean uh, guide and um, given 100 Leones. And that the, the aim was to bring back. Uh, items that were sort of the most valuable, the things that would be worthwhile, you know, that the team would be able to, to, to use. So, um, oh, here's my team in uh, a keke, uh, which is what we use part of our money on. It's kind of like a, a, a three-wheeled sort of like moped kind of thing with a little bit of a um, cover. So this is the market. So, this was the first team. They bought some material. They bought pineapples, coconut, um, loads of stuff. They really, really made, made the most of it. Second place, Sumerian Prince were judging. Second place, similarly, those uh, big green things are actually cucumbers. There's mangoes, all sorts. Um, our team had a little bit of trouble because we had to use some of our money to... Um, not get robbed, basically. So we kind of got surrounded um, because we travelled out a little bit further. So we had a little bit less money to play with, but we still were able to come back in one piece, most importantly. And, um, yeah, but there was one team that didn't really get the task. So they... Um, <laughs> they brought a, uh, this cuddly toy and um, a not very nice watch, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> But it was really, really fun, uh, and uh, yeah. So there was a lot of manual labor that uh, took place. Um, so the guys did brick making, moving a lot of sand. Um, these are all the bricks that they made. Um, this was moving sand into one of the classrooms, working with some contractors. Uh, you gotta remember, it's overwhelmingly hot, overwhelmingly hot, but the, there was no complaints. They really, really uh, enjoyed it. So this was over a few days. Uh, here's some brick making. Um, and the school students really wanted to help, so they got them carrying sand. But it developed into a bit of a photo shoot, uh, and the rules were that you could get your photo if you were carrying a bag of sand. So, um, yeah, here you go. These are all uh, lifeline near my school students. I love that photo, it's so good. Um, yeah, uh, so just before I move on, 
it was interesting because then there was one evening where we uh, sat down with Prince uh, after the boys and, and uh, no, sorry, all the team had done some brick making. And Prince was sharing about how um, his house that we were staying in, that me and the boys were staying in, was, was built completely from bricks that had been made on site. And you guys had made 52, I think. 52 in two hours, and they've done really well. And then Prince said that his house has been made from 6,800 bricks, um, all made on site, all kind of uh, built. So it was, it was pretty, pretty impressive. And the story of Prince's house, Prince and Mary's house is just an amazing one, which I sadly haven't got time to go into, but just such a um, sign of just God's provision and, and uh, yeah, just a miracle. So we also went to fetch water. So this is um, one of the main places called Lasting Point, um, where we went to get water. <laughs> so you pay to get your, your jugs kind of filled up, and it's super, super uh, heavy. Uh, here's Kendry, just being a muscle man. Uh, they were, I'd carried them for about five seconds and then tapped Kendry back in because. It's too hard work for me. So this was him carrying it into a Prince and Mary's house there with the blue roof. Um, but it was just such an eye-opening experience um, to see these are daily, daily things. And it also highlighted to us just the ways in which we were served. Because um, we'd asked to do that to kind of get an insight. But they were getting water for us every single day. Because um, there's obviously, yeah. You kind of pour water over your head and all that kind of thing to wash yourselves. Um, but yeah, everything was provided. It was just absolutely amazing. Uh, right, Moises. So it was your birthday. Come, come up, come up. It was your birthday while we were out there. And because I like to embarrass you, um, we've got the, the vocational, uh, the technical vocational college students. They sang happy birthday to you. And how were you feeling hey! at the point that they were singing happy birthday to you? Very embarrassed. And when you feel embarrassed, you normally, like, what, what would you do? Would you kind of embrace it or...? I just shy away. You shy away. Now, in the preparation for this trip, what was it that you really wanted God to kind of show you or do in you or give you? Confidence and boldness. Okay. Did you feel particularly confident and bold before this whole process? Nah. Cool. So, because I'm quite annoying, I was trying to get you to do things that would kind of mean that you have to speak in front of people. There was like an announcement that we did together at church. And those things were quite, quite big deals for you, right? And then there was a prayer meeting, a, a first Tuesday prayer meeting that we all went along to. Um, and Chris gave you a, a word at the end, and it was about you might not feel confident you might not feel bold you might not feel like you can do the do much but you you don't need to worry about that you just need to be obedient and god will do the rest so while you were out in sierra leone what what happened for you i guess for me since i'm i get embarrassed like really easily and i tend to shy away when you were like telling everyone it was my birthday i was a bit nervous i was a bit shy but then Something just kicked in, and I was just not nervous anymore. Like I could just do whatever I want, and no one would really, no one would really care. It was amazing, and you said that actually this happy birthday moment was quite big for you because then you then had to teach a lesson, <laughs> so you had no option to shy away. But you described it to me as having this like 
massive confidence boost while you were away. Um, and that actually, an example of that, it was amazing just seeing Moises throughout the week just, just growing and growing in, in his confidence. And that culminated on, on the Sunday, we went home on a Sunday evening, and you and Josh uh, shared, oh no, oh sorry, this was Moises' birthday cake that, they, um, that was made for him, and it was really, really good. Um, here's Moises teaching, and here's Moises and Josh sharing a sermon on, uh, on the Sunday, and we thought it would be good for just Moises and Josh to give you a little bit of a taster of that sermon. Would you guys like to hear that? Okay, so we spoke about how like our plans are less than what God has for us. So the points we touched on were God has a great purpose, which includes you and your life. Even when my plans fall apart, God can still use me. And in order to trust him, his purpose, I need a fresh sight of who he is. And I offer up my life and my plans by asking, please, what pleases you, Lord, and doing it. So we're just going to talk about the last one because we won't have time to touch every single one. But one of the things we talked about is, Jesus, not my will but yours be done. Your love heart is greater than mine. Your plans are better than mine. I would rather serve you than me and your plans rather than my plans. So when I have a choice, I ask, what pleases you, Lord? And we have like a little like analogy that we're going to do. Yeah, so we kind of wanted to give a nice way to display it for everyone. So this is God, okay? And I have all my different comforts. Like when I'm praying, I might just kind of stand and a shell and kind of shy away. But what I can do, I can give up that comfort to God and I can like praise him and not worry about how I look. So it's like giving God a pillow. You know, I make him more comfortable. When we did it there, we, we made him lie on the floor, but I won't make him do it here. Yeah, okay, you can, if you want to. So I kind of give him a pillow under his bum, you know, make him nice and comfy. But there are also other things like when a friend like says something that I don't agree with or that, that might not be right or if they're doing something that's wrong, I challenge them. And it might be hard for me, but give, uh, being integral and giving up that comfort also makes God comfortable. And then there's other times where my parents might ask me to do something that I don't want to do. Like, I don't know, wash the dishes. Yeah, you, you do that sometimes. <laughs> but then I might just give up that comfort and, yeah, just wash the dishes and be obedient to my parents, which makes God very, very comfortable. Look, he's really enjoying that. He might have a nice nap. But the thing is, when I don't give up those things, it kind of makes God uncomfortable. He's taking away those pillows and kind of, you know, pushing God around a bit. Yeah. So sometimes we need to make the hard choices, and it might not be exactly what we thought we were going to do, but instead we're following God's plan, and it might be the hard choice sometimes. And it was so great um, just hearing back from Prince and so many um, of the people that we chatted to just how, how appropriate and just how relevant the message that um, Josh and Wes is prepared and shared was for them. So 
really, really exciting. Josh, do you want to share some of your kind of thoughts and things that were sticking out to you on the trip? Yeah, so one of the things that I was really blessed by is, well, before I went there, my like, preconception was that it's going to be really hard living conditions. It's going to be like kind of all like the pictures you see of Africa. But we ended up living in like a beautiful house. It felt like a mansion. Like it's bigger than my house at home. You know, it was like, it was just so much effort went into making that place. And through like getting to know the people there and seeing like all that they've been through in order to get that land and build the house, it was just, I just felt so blessed by it. And like, yeah, we didn't, it was very, very hot there, but we had air conditioning in our house, which isn't normal in Africa. Not everyone has that. <laughs> it was mostly just us, but it was, they really just gave up all they had for us. And yeah, we just saw provision in so many ways. Thank you, Josh. Cheers, mate. So you can take a seat. Yeah, and the, well, the way we were just welcomed and received, um, there were so many ways where we could clearly see how well um, the guys there were just looking after us, giving up where they stay. Um, we had fans. We had uh, electricity running through the night. Um, but the electricity did cut out through the night quite a few times. And I'd be lying in bed a few times, and then the fan would go off, and suddenly you're like, oh my gosh. And then I'd just wait, and it would always come back on. I didn't really think why it would come back on. I just thought, oh yeah, the power's back. And um, then on Sunday, at the, the Sunday meeting, Prince uh, just wanted to give special thanks to a young man called Abdul. And uh, at this point, we found out that Abdul would uh, been staying at the office by the generator uh, every night. So when the generator cut out, Prince would give Abdul a call. He'd get up and reboot it for us. Um, and that was just for us. Uh, and some nights it cut out like two or three times, and it was, you know, two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning. And I was so challenged because I was around this boy pretty much the whole week and had no idea that he was doing that for us. Like, he didn't need us to know. He was, he was serving us, but he was ultimately serving God. And it was really, really challenging. The girls, where they stayed, they had air conditioning. However, the air conditioning did not really work very well. So they did really, really great staying in um, quite hot rooms. And um, yeah, but it, even within all of that, we just took God's grace because we had the energy we needed, everything that we were doing we could do. And it was just really, really good. We had our shoes cleaned for us to the point where they literally looked like brand new. Um, but also we were just, they were interested and curious about us and wanted to get to know us and ask us questions and play games with us. And it was really, really amazing. And I'll invite Kirillin up now to, to share some stuff that was going on for her. So Kirillin, kind of before the trip, People were asking if you were looking forward to it, and what what kind of ways would you answer that, and what was you what was you thinking? Well, for me, it was, like I knew I was going, but it really didn't feel very real for me. So every one time when people would be like, "Oh my gosh, you're going to Africa? Are you excited?" I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah." And then you got there, and how did you how did you find the experience? Yeah, it was amazing. It was like the best time. Uh, our team, all, we all came so close, like a little family. We all missed each other when we went away. And with the people there and just the community, it was just like, it was just the best. Amazing. But you found yourself feeling, in your words, kind of insecure and, and uncomfortable at times. Um, yeah. Could you share an example of, of when you felt that? 
Yeah, so you asked me if I would do a drama workshop. Um, you asked me before that we went on the trip, and I was like, yeah, okay, there. And then the day before, you also asked me again, that, oh, you're going to do that tomorrow, the drama workshop with all these people. And I was like, yeah, sure. Because it, it still didn't feel, like, real for me, like I was actually going to do that. So it didn't feel like I needed to be scared or anything. But then you got there, so, and you saw who you'd be doing it with, and what were you, what were you thinking? Well, there was like a big circle of people all my age and older, and I was about to teach them, so that was interesting. I was very nervous. How did it go? It went really well. They all came up with um, these amazing like dramas and worked well together, even though it was like a bit like they were a bit quiet at some points, and I thought, oh, it's not going to work. But it did, and they all came up with these amazing dramas, and the team worked really well with them. And did you find that God kind of met you as you were doing it? Like, what, what was going on for you? Yeah, I think so, because, like, when uh, just beforehand, we had, like, a little game to start off with, and then once I got, like, I was like, okay, it's my turn now, I've got to speak, I just went up there, and I was like, you know what, forget all of the worries or whatever, and just do it, and... Everything just kind of flew, like, just flowed out. Like, it was just, like, really easy. Like, it didn't have, like, much thought, like, I had to do with it. And we will see some of these dramas. I've messed up the PowerPoint um, order. However, we will see kind of what you've done. Uh, and there's some other things that were happening for you. So one evening, uh, we were having dinner at Prince and Mary's house, and we were praying for some specific things. And what was going on for you then? Well, you were asking if, like, there were some things that you wanted to pray for and that if someone else in the group would pray. And earlier in the week, I'd made it very clear that I didn't like praying in front of people or with, like, with anyone. I was really, like, nervous about that. It was something that I didn't like doing. But this time, it was, like, the last time we all had dinner together and decided, okay, like, I just got to do this. I really feel like I got to do this. So when Nick asked, I just put my hand up and say, yeah, I'll pray. Wow, it was really cool. And then the final, the final night before uh, we went home, uh, you were in the van uh, on the way back with, with most of the team. Can you talk about what happened? Yeah, we all just started just talking about faith and just, like, everything. Like, we didn't have a leader with us or anything. We all just started talking about faith and, like, the journeys we've been on. And that's a moment where I really felt, like, so close to these guys because I was able to, like, tell them, like, my rocky road, like, with, like, faith and, like, how I struggled and all this kind of stuff. And then at the end of it, they were just, like, they were just listening the whole time. And then at the end of it, they were all just like, right, let's pray for you now. And I was like, okay, why not? And they were all just praying for me. And it's not like a leader had prompted them or it was something planned to do. It's just they wanted to do that for me. And that meant so much. Amazing. Thank you, Kirillin. And Kirillin, she described it the other day as like a wow moment for her. And it just, hearing her share that story, it just felt like such genuine care, concern, and friendship. So it was really, really encouraging to hear. Um, for the sake of time, I'll have to speed through a little bit. But we went on a lovely trip to the beach. Um, it was really, really beautiful. Here's Mary. Uh, he just looked after us so well uh, all week. Uh, here's Prince. Cameron um, keeping his dignity, uh, and, and Josh, again, it was just so amazing just spending time uh, uh, yeah, with, with all of these guys, and here's, there was like 60 of us at the beach. Um, yeah, it was really, really amazing. 
And here's Kira Lynn. So here's her doing her drama workshop. So she put together a really, really uh, fun workshop. So the idea was there was kind of like two bowls. You pick one bowl, would have um, a Bible story written on it. You kind of p- pick a piece of paper. And then the other bowl would have the style that you would have to kind of deliver this, this Bible story drama in. So here is um, Daniel in the Lion's Den uh, as a musical. <laughs> Yeah, it was just such good fun, you know, no one worrying about their just making a fool of themselves or whatever. It was really, really, really good. Um, so, Kiralyn and Moises and Josh and others also were asked to take some professional photos for uh, the, the Nehemiah school and the staff. So, here's just some of the classes um, that they took. Here's the vo- technical vocational college students. Uh, his prince and all his staff. Um, yeah, it was great. This is a young man called Daniel. Um, so we also did like a psalm writing workshop. And I just would quickly like to share uh, the psalm that Daniel wrote because it was really, really, really powerful. So it says, How good you are, Lord. I was not expecting to wake up this morning, but you wake me up. So great of you. How good you are, Lord. I slept with nothing, but this morning you give me food and something to be thankful for. How good you are, Lord. I was not expecting to come safe to Lifeline this morning, but you bring me safe. So wonderful of you. How good you are, Lord. I lost hope sometimes, but you give me hope. How good you are, Lord. Sometimes I get depressed, stressed, but you are always there to encourage me with your love. How good you are, Lord. I lost my parents, but you gave me other parents. How good you are, Lord. I never thought that I would be educated because of my family background, but with your marvelous works and your plans and purpose for me, it's great. I become educated. Thank you, Lord. It's amazing. And there was, there was so many. I just thought I'd share one more. This is a young man called Prince Toure uh, with Cameron. Um, Prince Toure is 21, and he only has um, one arm. He fell out of a mango tree when he was young, and sadly, through that, uh, lost his arm, and he's been living in the home. Um, but he, he just asked if he could kind of just share what was on his mind. Um, so I'll, I'll read that out again. It's really, really powerful. My name is Prince Elijah Toure. I'm 21 years old. I live in Lifeline near my home, and I am handicapped. I'm about to take the worst examination this year. My main challenge is that whenever I sit down and look at my condition, I feel sorry. And because of that, sometimes it makes me go astray. Astray like making me feel like I am nobody. It makes me feel like I'm not fit among people. And because of that stress, I smoke, drink, and I take drugs. Until I met with my guidance, who is PJ and Prince, 
They put me down and advised that this is not the end of my life, that there is more to come. And I started to realize that God has a plan and a purpose for me. And I'm grateful to have them. If not for them, I shouldn't have been this kind of prince. Really, really powerful. And we also did a talent show, which Prince was really, really keen to show his talent. This is something that he'd been doing from a young age. (laughs) And I think he would have gone all night if we let him. But it was so great because it just felt like with people like Daniel and Prince and Ibrahim and uh, some of the young, young, young women as well, we were just building relationships and we've car- carried on chatting and messaging on WhatsApp and we're really excited to see how those relationships build and grow um, in the future. So Cameron, you originally said no uh, when asked to come on the trip. Sorry, why, why was that? Why did you decide at first not to come on the trip? Uh, I was just petrified. I didn't want to go. I was uh, really scared of just going to somewhere new, uh, especially Africa. And it would be a lot of firsts for you. You'd never been on a plane. Um, It's quite a long way to go. And in the end, though, you decided, no, I would come on a trip. Can you tell me why you changed your mind? Um, After saying no, a few months later, I started to feel bad because the only reason why I didn't want to go was because I was scared. And I just didn't think that was a good enough reason to say no to this actually really amazing journey that we went on. So, started going on a trip, when and how did you find that it, it went? Um, I got there, and I was very uncomfortable and very scared. Um, I, w- I was very shy, I just didn't want to do much. I was petrified getting off the plane. Um, I was really scared of the airport security. I just wanted to go home. And it didn't necessarily, like, change straight away, but something did happen on the second day, and what happened? Um, On the second day, I was with the primary children, and I just started to feel more alive, and I just really wanted to spend more time with them, and afterwards, I played games with them. Uh, We all did. We played sports. Um... They played, the boys played football, I didn't. Um, they were really good. Uh, however, I just started to feel comfortable. I wasn't scared, and I felt really at peace. So is there anything that you're kind of learning or seeing just about who, who Jesus is and, and who he's calling you to be through all of this experience? Yeah, um, fear is the enemy, and it shouldn't stop you from uh, thinking and doing things that you actually love. And I really found... Everybody says to go, when they go to the Sierra Leone trip, you should go, it's a great experience. I found out more than calling it experience, because it is, it's a life that God's made and we should all be part of that life and be part of Sierra Leone and show love towards it because they show love to all of us. Amazing, thank you, Cameron. And what a powerful testimony. You know, I was scared, I was fearful and it stopped me, but God had something different for me. Again... That is what we can step into. Are we all out for time? Yeah, so Ella, do you want to? Huh? Oh, Ella. (laughs) So Ella, you weren't able to make the trip for health reasons, but 
God um, was still showing you some stuff. Can you quickly tell us about that? Yeah, so I wasn't able to go on the trip and we found out like quite late in the day and some of the team's reaction was really extreme, so I definitely felt really bad. Um, but I was... Jamie gave me a word months and months ago about just rather than me thinking I need to do something in the situation, praying and just watching, being part of what God does by watching what he does. And when I got to see all the team share on Friday... Oh, sorry. It was just so amazing for me to see what God had done for them and how um, I couldn't do anything in the situation. Even when Nick was couldn't sleep before he had to go, I just had to give everything to God and just see what he'd done in all these kids. It was just just an amazing testimony and for me it's just the biggest privilege of my life to um, serve these young people so I'm just so thankful to God that I got to be a part of that so yeah. well done yeah thank you Ella okay so Debbie um, was able to come on the trip, which was such a blessing. Uh, it was really amazing to have Debbie as part of the team and leading with me. And Debbie particularly got to spend some really, really uh, powerful times with the children's ministry team in Sierra Leone. So do you want to come up and share a little bit, Debbie? Yeah, so um, I'm not Ella. So I did feel a little bit like, oh, goodness. Um, I had a wobble on the Tuesday morning because it was hot, 29 degrees. It was so hot, I couldn't even feel my hot flushes anymore. (laughs) (coughs) And every time you walked out, you were, like, sweating. And I was like, okay, well, these clothes, they're just going to have to soak it all up. And um, (coughs) so I got up on on, uh, Tuesday morning, and I was like, what am I doing here? I'm an old girl. Uh, with this young team and I just turned to Philippians where it said rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice so I was like thank you for the air conditioning father (laughs) at least I got to sleep yeah and um and then I looked at my backpack words um and the one that jumped out at me on Tuesday morning was God will be sufficient in everything And I was like, okay, God, you're sufficient in everything. And I trudged up the hill, hill like this, to get my breakfast. And Prince said, Debbie, you're a strong woman. And it was like a word spoken over me because it's just switched at that point. And I thought, yeah, I'm here. Let us enjoy it. Martin had said to me, enjoy it, Debbie, you know. Because I'm like, I'm just ready to come home now, and this is only Tuesday. <laughs> um, and, and, and I just felt so privileged to be given the opportunity to go. And because I went, um, I was able to spend some time with the uh, children's ministry team out there. Prince really wanted me to speak, uh, talk to them about just having a heart and knowing God for themselves so that they could um, bless the kids and not worry about materials and the process, but actually come with a heart for children. So um, Tuesday evening, we got together, and I just felt to pray uh, for them, very simply like we'd done at the prayer meeting. So just ask them what they wanted, simple prayer, and just wait for God's Holy Spirit to come. And we went through the team, the four of them, and, uh, and I'd say, okay, how are you doing? And they go, good. 
I was like, okay, what that means. Anyway, Saturday morning came and we had, no, Friday morning came and we had a chance for three hours together. And I started off by saying, what happened on Tuesday night? And I was just so blown over. God's a God who just does what each person needs. And the one of them said, as we prayed, a cold hand touched me. I mean, we normally have hot hands because we live in a cold country. <laughs> but this was a cold hand. A cold hand touched me on the shoulder and then the cold sensation came right up to me. And that's when I started crying. And then I felt courage. And that was just what she needed. And then uh, the next one said, I just know God is with me. He's with me here. He's with me at home. I just know he's with me. And then um, the next one, I'm a, I was a Muslim and I went home and my family said to me, what's different about you? We want you to pray with us. Three times a day. So he's committed to praying with his family who are not yet believers and the last one said, I just came here and I feel so burdened. I feel burdened by my work in the school, burdened by living in the home with the boys, burdened by being part of the children's ministry team. And as we prayed, God started to show me that as I tell them about him, as I tell them about Jesus, they're going to have a whole new life in him and they're going to be able to say, it was that man that told me about Jesus. And as that was happening in my thinking. I just had a lifting of the burden. And it was so exciting because I was able to say to them, you know, when we catch from God, we catch with our skin. We catch with our knower. We catch with thinking. We catch what God's saying in so many different ways. And they were just showing all those different ways of how they'd caught from God that day. And we were able to say, this is the God that we want to get those children to meet. And they were going to go and do that from that reality of what God had done for them. And it was really a privilege to watch. And a privilege to watch these guys and to see how God was meeting them and touching them. Amazing. Scarlett, do you want to come in? So we're almost at the end. We had some beach trips, went out for a meal. I think so. This is them very comfortable, some of the team. Now, Scarlett, you also were a, a, a late joiner on the trip. Why had you said no initially to being part of the Sierra Leone team? So um, my family really wants to move at the end of this year, and I was really worried that like, me going on the trip would like, impact our funds. So you didn't want to be like a burden on your family and say, suddenly we need all this money to go on a trip. Um, but you, you changed your mind and uh, you came. And did you find that God provided the money? Like, it was crazy. As in our quiz night, like the bake sale the boys did, everything was just provided. And I think a week or two before like we were set to go, um, we were talking about bringing money on the trip. And I was like, I'm not going to bring any money. And I got a letter in the post from Dennis and Rachel with 50 quid in it. Wow. So we've just seen how God provided and money did not stop you um, being able to be part. But you didn't feel too well on the second half of the trip. And you also lost your glasses one day. Can you kind of talk to us a little bit about that? So uh, it was a morning before we were going to the beach. And 
I went bathroom and I came back and my glasses were gone. I was like, oh my gosh. But like, as in, we looked everywhere. Like the bed sheets came off, under the bed, under the covers, like everywhere. But we just couldn't find them. And um, what's your eyesight like without your glasses? I'm very blind. Uh, yeah. So how did you feel given that you weren't feeling too well already and now you literally are pretty much blind? I mean, to be honest, like, it was, it was quite weird because I was quite, like, chill about it, as in the way, like, I think people were looking more stressed than me. I was, I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's what it is, but, yeah. And you were just saying how you felt like God gave you the peace and how in some, some other circumstances you might have panicked, but you felt that God would give you peace. That's, that's amazing. Thank you very much, Scarlett. <laughs> Before I just hand back to John, I mean, we've heard from everyone. I mean, I could speak of just all the ways uh, in which I'm just grateful to God. Um, it was, yeah, it was such a good time. And I think God really just showed me um, that I am not in control and I don't need to be in control. I just, when we're obedient to him, when we step out, um, he knows what we need. He knows us way better than, than we could know. And it was just such an amazing, enjoyable time. Um, so, yeah, like I say, I, I hope that hearing all these different stories is, has been encouraging, been inspiring. Um, and maybe it's, well, as, as different ones have been sharing, there's been a desire in you that's kind of welled up, like, I, I, want, I want that boldness, or I want to speak in tongues, or I want to be healed, or... God, I just want to experience and know you more. Um, we will have an opportunity for response. The, the team will be available in this area to pray. Um, but it doesn't end here. Just because this trip's over doesn't mean this is just a, a chapter that these guys and us never go back to. This is the God who is alive today, working in and amongst us. And there's just so much to be thankful for. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.